All right, guys, welcome to today's Eat and Greet. We're hopefully in the next hour or so that we are together, we're going to give you something that is worth the time you took to show up. And I most certainly think that we will because we're going to we're going to jump off the Western track for just a minute. Now, it all does come back together. That's the beauty of kind of bringing the information out as you can find how to piece it together. But today we're going to jump into the Vedic. Um, style of astrology and some of their principles and ideas that guide that particular practice. And I'm so excited to, first of all, bring this to you, but also this whole idea with Uranus and Taurus for me, we were just talking about this before we got started is, you know, Uranus breaking this very earthy energy open for me and for the rest of our Taurus population is to me symbolic with opening up the earth so you can see the gems that are down there. And some of them have been hidden for a very long time. So I've gone out and found Dustin here and he is one of those hidden gems who is coming along, but now is rising to the surface to share these principles with us. So I'm really, really thrilled to have you. Just thank you so much for coming. Oh, my pleasure, Stormy. You put that in a very nice way and I appreciate it. I feel like I feel like a gem <laughs> now that I'm talking to you. And it's uh, so nice to be able to be talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time and ma- making the space for me to come along and be a part of this crazy ride that you've got going on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and, and I really genuinely want to say back to you, thank you for taking the time to invest in the craft. I mean, this is the thing. I feel like this last seven years has been such a strong indicator in the world that it's time for our next generation of teachers to start taking their seat at the table in this industry and in this field, not because our elders or those who came before us are just all dying and they're terrible Mm -hmm. or they forgot things, but it is, we're a part of the circle of life and astrology and that's in every tradition. So thank you for taking the time to, to answer a call that you were obviously given and, and mm-hmm. coming and bringing it here. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I'm very excited, Stormy. I'm glad to have answered that call. And I, I like being right now a young astrologer, throwing some videos out on YouTube and knowing that there's lots of people like you who take the time to throw new guys like me a rope and be a part of the high sphere of things. Cause I definitely see you being in that place and I really appreciate it. Fabulous. So I ask everybody when they come to tell us just a little bit, you know, how did okay. you get into astrology and kind of what's your lane right now? How is this going for you? Yeah. Thank you, Stormy. Okay. So uh, my name's Dustin, Dustin Cormier. Uh, I appreciate everybody hanging out with, with us today. Um, I was just thinking in the same way that Stormy was saying how with Uranus and Taurus, we were talking about Uranus is a very, they kind of say it's a generational planet because it takes generations to go through the signs. Uh, but I would say it's like a metaphysical planet for it to be in Taurus means that there is a bit of a, I would say Uranus in a lot of ways relates to culture, to cultural backbones. And so I think Uranus relating to culture and to metaphysics being in the sign of Taurus is showing that the earthly centers of our cultural wisdoms have an open door to kind of merging and bonding right now because Uranus culture is in Taurus, which is earthly convergence. Uh, And so that's why I'm really glad to be a Vedic guy uh, talking with you uh, who are, who your, your craft is, is very Western style. Uh, I actually myself am, I'm, I'm like a dude, I'm in Canada, 
I'm in Toronto. I started off with Western astrology as well. Uh, Western astrology has always been my backbones actually. Um, but also I'm, I'm a psychedelic person and I was very obsessed with the sixties and seventies era, uh, what they talked about and how they kind of rolled with things. And astrology was one of them, but even deeper than astrology that kind of hit me at some point somewhere along the line was yoga. Yoga is really my heart practice. I'm a spiritual person. I'm a religious person. I'm interested in the idea of <clears throat> spirit coming through us. The Indians have the multitude of poly, mono, polytheistic spiritual centers, which all in, <clears throat> they all end in a monotheistic one, mm -hmm. which is Vishnu. And that's the same as the God that's inside of all of us uh, is the one self-consciousness that's inside of everybody and everything. Vishnu is the same thing as, as God, uh, from my understanding. So obviously, there's going to be a lot of places where the Western and the Vedic astrology, they actually meet in a lot of ways. Uh, they're very, they're, they're the science of astrology, you know. Um, as a science, there's less room for error than we generally talk about, although that's me being optimistic because it's, even though it's a science, there are so many different ways to calculate the calculations and to interpret the calculations. Uh, and so my story started getting into Western astrology. I was like smoking weed and stuff at a bookstore one day and I picked up, uh, I'm a Scorpio. I got Mars and Scorpio and Pluto there. Uh, and I picked up a book called Sextrology. Yeah. And it's this book, it's written by two folks. They're very kind of like bougie American folks. I think it was, they're Californian. No, I think they're San Francisco, actually. They're, they're, they're San Francisco people. Um, and uh, they wrote this book called Sextrology, which talks about the alchemy of the sun signs interacting with each other, but also just the sexual nature of the sun signs. So I was skeptical about astrology, but I'd read in a very, a, a well-known Indian book. It's called the autobiography of a yogi. Mm -hmm. uh, this, it's uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. He's a very spiritual dude and very psychedelic. Uh, and in that book, his guru talked about astrology. And I was like, not into it when I was reading about it. But as a scientific minded person, you know, there was one day just around the time that I was reading this book, reading about the astrology thing and the guru, the person in autobiography of a yogi, his guru was an astrologer and his guru always, he was actually a very smart dude about astrology. And he said that like the destiny of the stars and the karma and the energy coming from behind is with you now, but you are the one that chooses what to do with it. And that's why the character in the book, he almost didn't believe in astrology and he was questioning it for a while until he realized that being a pattern doesn't mean you're not a conscious pattern. You can be the consciousness within the given karma of, that came before and to be the center of the moving water, the turnstile of your energy. But it is still there. Having a form, having a destiny, having a pattern is still good and useful. For spiritual people who don't abide by astrology, they're going to make it work either way because they're intuiting their energy and abiding by self-realization, letting go of sensory output and absorbing what's within. And behold, what's within them is exactly what's in the stars.
they don't need to talk about astrology to be spiritual. But for those who are interested in this pathology of energy at a human level, fuck, astrology is a good time. So... Uh, so I read that this character, did, well, he wasn't into astrology, uh, but he respected it. And eventually, like I said, he became to he came to understand it and respect it because his guru was an astrologer. So me being me reading this, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, this seems silly. And I picked up the sextrology book. <clears throat> me being such a Scorpio person, this book talks about like the like the veiny arms that a Scorpio can have and like the long wiry arms. It talks about how the psychology of a Scorpio man, because it actually goes man and woman, there's Scorpio sun man and Scorpio sun woman and how the archetype of Scorpio being like a female sign ruled by masculine Mars, Mm. how that, how that interplay works out in a man and how that interplay works out in a woman. Sure. Uh, and so I read about how Scorpio men can have this masculine gusto where they want to be kind of, they want to look good and strong and powerful, but there's actually a water gate of intense emotional and passionate energy behind them. And I read that and I read like, you know, the way it talks about your somata structure, like your actual bone structure and how your body looks. And I read it and I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, like no way, no way. And so this is, that's what cracked me through. It was reading that particular book, Sextrology. As soon as I read that, I was like, okay, there's something to this and it's important to me. That is uh, brilliant. Just yeah. brilliant. And then from there, I just went and I went and I was already a reader. Uh, and I just, I, I got obsessed with it. I started reading, uh, another reason why I got obsessed with it just at this time I was really I'm a musician and uh there's a musician do you know Led Zeppelin they're a band uh they're a huge band whole lot of love one of the bigger bands from like the old era uh and the guitarist who was kind of like the engineer of the band and sort of engineered the lyrical and consciousness of the band it's a rock and roll dude uh and he was into astrology Mm -hmm. and so I got, he recommended this particular book. I don't have it on me. My girlfriend has it actually. Uh, I'm glad because she's getting into it too. Um, it's called Cosmic Astrology by Isabel M. Hickey. It's a Western book. Uh, it's from the 60s, like late 60s. And it's sort of cookbook style, you know, like Mars and Scorpio. What's that like? Mars in Sagittarius what's that like it goes through all those but before it does it talks about the signs talks about the planets talks about the symbols of the planets like um, there's some interesting ones how Venus is a circle which represents the spirit the same as the sun but the circle of Venus is on top of the cross of matter mm-hmm. which means that Venus is the spirit being on top of and coming through the cross of matter mm-hmm. Uh, that's an, an example of the kind of stuff that this book talks about. Very cool, deep stuff. Uh, f- from her, I read a little bit of that book. I read all the archetypes of the signs. And then I saw how me being a Scorpio was opposite Taurus, was in trine with the other water signs, but was square to the other fixed signs. When I 
integrated what Scorpio was after reading sextrology, because that was just bare bones, like physical anatomy things and psychological things. I was like, holy fuck, that's amazing. Excuse my language. <laughs> uh, but when I saw the Scorpio in context of all the other signs, it was like, it just was night and day. Like I, I knew that this was a practice that I could learn for myself and also tell other people about in order that they can do the human thing better than people are these days. Yeah. People these days don't care about their livingness. They only care about what they, what they do with it. Welcome to capitalism. <laughs> so there's a whole, there's a whole bag of beans to unpack there, but then you ended up in school. Yes, so, that's right. Which school? How long? When are you done? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, th thank you, Stormy. Uh, so, um, as I came along in the Western thing, uh, I was learning a lot, learning a lot of Western psychological-based stuff, even getting into, like, ma magic, esoteric kind of magic. Like, um, uh, you know, Taoism is really, like, something that I'm very into. When I say magic, I mean kind of applying ceremony and consciousness and ritual and mantra in order to guide my mind so that when I'm in like a difficult moment, I can think of my mantra and come through that difficult moment. Uh, it, it ultimately ended up very much in yoga, more from the Western thing that I was doing. Uh, God, I've got so many stories I love to talk about. I did a, a tarot ceremony where I was doing like very, uh, again, Western magic where I'd be looking at, at the West uh, and invoking Archangel Gabriel while thinking of like the fire element, I believe it is. I haven't done it for a while, but I had a very deep tarot ceremony in 2017. I was having a hard go at the time. Uh, I was just in a very difficult period. Saturn was going over my natal moon. Mm. Uh, yeah, that will that's, uh, arrange that things. Yeah, what they, in, um, in Vedic astrology, we call that particular transit, we call it Sati Sati. And if you go to India and you look at someone, you say, you're going to have sati sati. They'll go, oh, don't say that. It's, it's like a superstitious word, but that's because their culture is very steeped in astrology. Right. And sati sati. so long. Totally, totally. Which is a beautiful part of their culture. Although there's lots of ways of thinking about astrology that are outdated and stuck because <laughs> of this. It's kind of a for better or worse situation. Sure. That's why uh, that's why I'm glad that I started with Western astrology and then dove into Indian astrology and seeing how I could be objective about the things that were held on to without yeah. scientific recourse. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> that's very important for anyone who gets into this world. Uh, because, I mean, it's funny, it's ironic that there are some days, sometimes where you'll read things in Vedic astrology that are just there just because it's the way it's always done. But when you apply it, you, you, you see why. Yeah. It's just a world that you just have to explore and experiment with. Which I think is still very much so true today for Hellenistic astrology. If people have right. practiced or you haven't sat down and done the study of Hellenistic, it, it is a for better or for worse as well. But then you understand the why of how it got done. And from there, then I think it can move into what our personal interpretations and things are, because everything comes down to our personal experience bias. Totally. Totally. It's the same kind of, it sounds like it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I'd say so. It's the same kind of idea, even in Western and Hellenistic astrology, you know, there's lots of like, there's so many ways to interpret what's going on. You know what I mean? Like there are some people 
who's just like, no matter what your personal planets are, you know, the watching the fact that Uranus is in square to Saturn right now and what all that means, the collective, what it means to you is not nearly as relevant as this. Like a lot of people think of it this way, whereas mm -hmm. a lot of people will say that what's happening up there cannot be channeled if your own energy sphere is not grounded in the right way. Sure. Sure. Uh, so in the same way, if I'm reading you correctly, there's, there's many different ways, even Western astrology, many different ways to emphasize things and to think about things. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good, it's always a good, you know, I'm somebody who's uh, scientific as well as intuitive mystical. Uh, I will always go by my intuition and there's a good thing and a bad thing about this with regards to astrologers, because every astrologer has a bias of what energy sphere they would like to focus most on. Mm -hmm. The good news is that, duh, I mean, I, I don't want to have to abide by universal standard. I know what I need out of astrology. The yeah. bad news is that we can't, it's hard to agree sometimes on what we're all looking at. Absolutely. Absolutely. As each person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, me yeah. myself, uh, gosh, I could talk all about my own thing, but for, in this moment, I'll say that in Vedic astrology, uh, it's considered that I am Venus Atmakarika. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I'm a very Venus person. V uh, Atmakarika means the signifier for the soul. Uh, and it's kind of like my, it's like my essence planet. I could talk all about it. Um, and I, maybe we will at some point, but Venus is my essential planet. And I'm very interested in psychology getting to the root bones of what would help a person to be feel most satisfied and fulfilled and abundant in their lives in order to do what they want to do. Uh, and so that's why my path was healing yoga. Uh, you know, how can I apply what you are in order to compensate for the shadow that you don't realize you're lacking? This is the kind of mirror that I like to provide for people. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Wish, what was the school? Tell us about your school real quick. Thank you. Yeah. People are going to be curious about this and perfect. Your path. We want to know. Thank you, Stormy. I appreciate you grounding me in the conversation there. Um, so uh, somewhere along the line around this time, Saturn was going over my moon. Uh, I was like flickering on suicidal and kind of just having a really, really hard time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I went to a Kundalini conference and it was there that I met somebody who was into Vedic astrology. And I was kind of bummed about it because there was lots of people at this conference who were into astrology. Some of them did what's called, so, okay, so this is the sidereal versus tropical thing. At this point, I have to say that I'm a tropical astrologer. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Scorpio for me is the same as the Scorpio for you. I started with Western astrology and I didn't change my measurements. Sure. I got into Vedic astrology in order to interpret the measurements differently. Got it. Mm -hmm. Now there is, you, yeah. you dig? Yeah. So there's a difference there, right? Mm -hmm. um, now I went to this conference full of these people who are actually measuring things differently. You'll hear that there are many people in the Vedic camp I would like to, for, for the record, there's a difference between Vedic astrology and what is called sidereal astrology. Mm -hmm. Sidereal astrology measures things differently. Yeah, absolutely. From, from we had Western. Captain Chimenti who came over and he um, is a sidereal practitioner. Right. So yeah. It's a really yeah. cool experience. Yes. Oh yeah. And there's, it's a very interesting thing going on in the sidereal world. Uh, it's, you know, I'm actually not to, this is a, this is a funny thing to have to talk about. 
I'm somebody who believes that there's a science to astrology and that there's only one way. Mm-hmm. Call it the Leo rising in me. Call it something. I'm not sure. Uh, but this isn't to say that people who are practicing other things aren't seeing other things that aren't important. It's a hard, it's a crazy thing to talk about. But the way I understand it is that the tropical way of interpreting astrology is the way that, uh, that the Indian books express how you ought to do it. There's a guy named Vic Dakara that talks about it in the same way, that there is a way to do it. Um, with that being said, the whole reason I'm saying this is because I wanted to find a school who interpreted things in the Vedic way through the consciousness of yoga, but who didn't change the measurements mm. of the signs, okay. right? And there are people out there. So what, is, what it would be called is a tropical Vedic astrologer, right? Uh, when I went to this conference, there were people who were doing tropical and there were people who were doing Vedic and there were people who were doing both. And it was the people who were doing both that I was, well, at that time, it was this whole new thing. And I actually, I ditched Western astrology. When I went to this conference, I was like, okay, I'm just like that. I'm an obsessive, like, get (laughs) me to the core of it. And then I'll taste it with my own teeth and tongue. And then I'll decide for myself. And in order to do that, I have to keep my mouth away from what it's not. (laughs) Focus only on the one thing. It's just how I am. Uh, So I went down that, the vedic sidereal path where instead of me being a scorpio i'm considered to be a libra Mm -hmm. with cancer rising uh which is uh, what's funny is that when you're in it you there are so the way each thing comes off you can find you can think about things about yourself that relate to that you know i was a cancer rising and so i was like okay so i'm a very watery person in our western i'm a scorpio so So I could be made to believe that I was a cancer rising at that time. This is just the nature of trying to find your own thing. But eventually I went through the sidereal uh, for a long time. Somehow I came back to it. I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember. I haven't thought about that for a while, but something brought me back to tropical. Uh, And then I found a teacher on YouTube named Ryan Kirksack. Uh, He is the student of another gentleman named Ernst Wilhelm. Uh, and they together, these two have been studying the ancient Sanskrit root, uh, books of Indian thought. It's called Brihat Parashara Horashastra is the main one. Um, and this is an old Indian book, uh, written like long, long, long ago. Uh, and it was all about astrology. These guys have read the thing to the core and they're also kind of Western astrologers in their own right. And yogis and different things as well. Ryan Kirksack has a school called Asheville Vedic Astrology. And this is the school that I got to be a part of. Uh, he was just starting it out at first. Uh, and it was just him. He's, he's Virgo rising with Saturn in Virgo. Uh, just like earth coming out of his ears. <laughs> uh, and he's so he got the money himself and he did all that he could to launch this website where he did this thing. And now he's got people helping him operate it. But at the time it was just him. I can't believe the sacrifice that this guy did. Yeah. Um, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's a crazy thing. eh? Cause I guess you're, you must've had to go through that same process when you're creating your own educational paradigm. It's kind of like, 
it's kind of like a mom who's just trying to take care of all these kids or something like that. And yeah. anything could go wrong and anything could happen. Absolutely. But you, so you know what that's all about. Um, Ryan did the same thing in order to create his school, Asheville Vedic Astrology. Uh, I went through it. I'm in my fourth year now. I started it in 2018, just as I was coming through the worst of the gunk. I was still in the gunk at this time uh, and attaching myself to something that I believed in, which could actually help me survive and stay alive, but was not purely capitalist in mm. intent. Mm. Uh, I needed that at the time. The, my moon was kind of like, you need to get into something that's not just some kind of crappy part-time job that you've been doing in order to launch you into what you want finally want to do in your life. I needed to pick something that was what I wanted to do in my life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be something that was close to my heart, close to my love of consciousness, close to my love of humanity and is for humanity, not me sucking from humanity. I believe astrology is a way for me to do this because I'm helping people get clarity on themselves and I'm getting paid for it so that I can stay alive and do my thing. I mean, mind you, it's, it's, get, it's hard to, I, I don't know, you, you must be feeling the same thing. Maybe you've revved it up to the point where you're rocking it now, but I've been going very slowly into my astrology uh, as a way to survive mm -hmm. per se. I'm just learning how to ask for enough money, you know, in a way right. that's kind of like fair and everything like that. Uh, I'm still in my fourth year of school. That's why for a long time, what my teacher wanted us to do is to get into apprenticing, which is on this fourth year, we've learned all the, the knowledge. Now I'm actually taking in clients and doing the astrology thing for people. And for a long time, I was just doing it by donation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Story. It's a big deal that. to make that jump. It's a big deal to be. It's a huge jump. Totally. It, it, and, that uh, is a, a whole phase of development. I got to just say that. So if you are yeah. listening to, you either know that or you'll be coming up to it. But that phase is a real phase of development to learn and stand true to your ask. Because that, to me, I yeah. think is the place where we understand the space within us that spirituality and money mix and that they're not yes. different. That they're yes. not different. Thank you, Stormy. I kind of need to hear that from you, my my earthy Virgo friend. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I always appreciate that. Loaded second house stellium. I'll get you love it. Taurus South <laughs> Capricorn South Node. I will freaking Yeah, will you do, you Stormy. <laughs> You're very natural with it. And I appreciate that. I always say, like, I always love anyone who's got Virgo rising because I've got Venus and Jupiter in Virgo. And so I always like I feel like Virgo rising helps me to pull my spiritual thing in that second house way. It's the second house for me is a Leo rising. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate that because you're so right. That's an important, you know, that's one, been one of the really the biggest blessing I think that I got from school. That's something I will say is that, uh, Ryan is, he, he's a hard lined teacher. Like he wanted this to be university level, uh, teachings, because there's a lot to digest in the Vedic system. And it's very, like, it's very mm -hmm. point, pointed in a certain direction. Uh, and he, at the end of it, now I'm in my fourth year, like I said, kind of halfway through. I'm almost finished my second semester. Uh, and he's got us doing 10,000 word essays. He's got us doing an hour video. And then we've got to do 14 clients per semester. 
Beautiful. Uh, and so what's lovely about it is that he's like, you know, he's reading, like he's really reading all my notes on what I do for each client. So I was diligently saying this one was difficult for this reason, you know, uh, but I understood what her problem was because of this and this God, the first five or 10 clients, it's <laughs> such a, such a gross humbling. feeling. Humbling, humbling is exactly the word I would yeah. say. Humbling is exactly the word because yeah. my Lord, is it ever a tough crazy experience although i'm happy that i i got into it pretty quick mm -hmm. um uh, i would say that the venus part of me was very nervous and i i would never want to throw at anything at anyone too heavy because as i'm going as i'm growing older you know i'm a leo rising with scorpio sun and so i have a i have i can have a very firm grip this is what we've been talking about now, do you think that this makes you feel that way? Right. Feel free, you know, like I'll, I'll put the fire under people if I feel like that's what they're kind of looking for me to do. And that's its own, you know, that's its own conversation. Uh, but at first I was all Venus. And if somebody didn't want to hear something, I would just kind of spin around the edge a little bit and just see if I can nudge them into thinking about this thing. Maybe they'll think about it themselves as we kind of go on. And a lot of times that's what happened. You know, like as soon as I went and launched myself out there, what was beautiful is that every client I went to, I was under the pretense. Uh, you're really helping me with my practice and I really appreciate it. So let me know if anything is coming off confusing and, you know, let me know if I'm losing you or let me know what you really want to get out of this session. That's what I would keep telling to people. And then slowly it was just a matter of that. Uh, they understood what was kind of, they, they understood what I was doing and they'd be very patient with me. And so as I started to just talk more about the dark sides of their unconscious, I would learn like, so there's some, I would learn to say and to kind of prerequisite it. You know, there's something here that I'm thinking about that you might feel like it's frustrating you. And I'd like to ask you if this is frustrating you. Mm -hmm. And then they would say, okay. And then I'd go, okay. So we've already talked about how this is a strength of yours. Do you think it's possible that as you keep doing this strength, you might be missing out on this thing. And then I would say it in this way and they would go, okay, okay. Yeah. I see what you're getting at there. And then we would pull each other into the catharsis of the shamanic. Right. Transformative right. black mirror. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of, th this schooling has been the best thing in the world for me. Now I'm halfway, more than halfway through. I'm supposed to get 44 clients done by uh, November and uh, I'm at like 30. So you're moving uh, right so, along though. You are moving yeah, along. Totally. Totally. I'm more than halfway done just because I wanted to like, I wanted to get lots of clients and I didn't know how hard it would be to kind of like, okay, people. So like 1 PM, you know, Thursday, this date, we're going to be there. I didn't know how hard it would be to wrangle people. And so I just made a huge bunch yeah. of people. And just, I was just, just in case I didn't have Absolutely. enough by each semester's end. Absolutely. You're kidding me. I'm a Virgo rising. I'm like, you yeah, you're the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Out. So you have <laughs> CYA is still a thing. 
even right. who practice astrology. <laughs> totally, totally. I love oh that. Oh my god! For sure. Okay, look, we gotta. We're gonna let's let's go. We gotta get into what you're okay. What you're here to show us and teach us about because I feel like we could just wrap. We could do a whole we could. on just the experience of coming out, and maybe that's valid. You know, truly, right. as you're listening and you're watching. If you feel like you want to hear more experiences from other astrologers and what they're like coming out into practice experiences, let me know because I feel like that's a wonderful um, eat and greet as well. But today mm, we're talking about some some Vedic concepts, and you're going to share that with us. Thank you, Stormy. Way to go! You're you're you've got a great way of holding us on our intention for what we had for for the day. You're great at that, Everyone's my Virgo friend. Beautiful, love it. Like, <laughs> no kidding eh perfect okay stormy so uh i agree that that whole that idea of like get coming out as an astrologer is a great topic now i'm going to start playing with something here stormy uh i have a software that lets me look at pictures now can you see when i do this can you see the picture i'm looking at here yeah thousand okay sweet all right Okay, Stormy. So this is me kind of showing a little bit of the presentation I had in mind here. Okay, hold on just a second. Let's yep. um, in your in your software. Yes. On, on your side of Zoom, can you just screen share it so it's bigger? Because this okay, will show really, see. yeah, that'll show really small. Okay, I see what you mean. So I'm going to zoom Oops. now. If I was to go, how would I go about that? Okay, so uh, in your Zoom. Uh, oh, I see there's a share screen button. Yep, there you go. That's the one. So if I hit share screen, oh, neato. So should I just put my screen and just share my screen like this? Yeah. Yep. There. So you're seeing, you're seeing my screen now? Yep. And so I'm seeing it. Perfect. That's what we Oh, need. sick. Oh, thank you, Stormy. You yep. kind of helped me there because I would love to be able to do this kind of Zoom thing with other astrologers. So Absolutely. thank you. Now so I've got a good. So many people come and we practice. That's the whole point of these. Two oh, love it. The okay, eat and greet. Two things. So one, sure. go ahead and start talking and presenting, but I'm going to yep. camera off and mic off for just a second and run to the bathroom, but start. No problem. Present your oh, topic. Perfect. So perfect, Stormy. A, at a conference or something. Okay, go give you it a You got go. it. Okay, you feel free to come in whenever you're done, Stormy, and just let me know if you got any questions or anything, okay? Okay, beautiful. Sweet. Okay, everybody, so I'm glad to be showing you this little slide here. Uh, I got two in mind that I kind of wanted to launch off on. Um, this is a, a little, just a presentation I kind of prepared for Stormy here. We're asking, what can the West teach Vedic astrologers? And as well, uh, this is from an old slide, but this should also say number two, what can the Vedic astrology teach the West? Because within the two poles of any knowledge, we have the satya within them, which is the peaceful, discernible truth that lies between the variegated bits of knowledge. Now, <clears throat> what I'm interested in talking with you guys about is how exactly Vedic astrology is different from the West. Uh, how I figured I would kind of start this thing is talking a little bit about the bones of the two. And I'm kind of asking the question, where does the, where does the source of any astrology knowledge come from at all? 
this is this little slide I kind of wanted to show here. <clears throat> to get us thinking a little bit about astrology as an observational behavioral science, almost like it's a phenomenological science, right? So which came first, the chicken or the egg, the signs in the sky, or our intuition of the metaphysical precepts of astrology? You know, this is why people say that the, the stars have become off of their alignment from what we would call the tropical signs. For example, when you look at what people derived as the sign of Aries 2,000 years ago, tropical Aries, which is when the sun is in the, not the solstice, but the equinox, the spring equinox. The first day of the spring equinox is the marker for the sign of Aries. And the equinox has to do with the sun going around the earth, and it has nothing to do with the actual sign of Aries in the sky. Now, 2,000 years later, when the sun is at the sign of what starts the spring equinox, it's at, uh, it has dragged, so it's not actually at the start of Aries anymore. It's like 22 degrees into Aries. Uh, this is what we call the precession of the equinox, and this is, this, this is what the whole sidereal debate comes from. Now, my point is, is that was there ever really the, the signs in the sky? Like really, we were just using them as signboards, as guideposts. Really what happened is that our human intuition of the metaphysical precepts of astrology is what came first. Uh, at least this is, this is how we think of things in the Vedic consciousness. Uh, what happened is that we had rishis who were seers who could intuit the energy inside themselves and bring that down to earth in a way that the stars would also be reflect the mechanism of the energy that we are. Because as I was kind of saying to Stormy, what we are is the energy of the universe. We reflect it whether you realize it or not. You don't need to see astrology and see the stars to know the energy that you are and that's coming through you. You can just look within yourself. Now, these rishis knew that one day the loud sensory glamour of the outside world of our senses would become louder than the ebbing stillness of the heart within. There was a time when there wasn't as much technology and people were less interested in what's outside and they were looking within. And it was in this age that they didn't need astrology, but they knew that there would be a time when technology would pull things outside of the internal heart of intuitive metaphysical awareness. And that's why these old ancient astrologers developed the science of astrology so that we could externalize what they were internalizing. And the Rishis used to just talk about astrology and it was written in Sanskrit and it would have a rhythm and it was handed down before it was eventually written down. So a lot of the stuff that we understand in Vedic astrology has this consciousness of, well, it, it got passed down in this way and is eventually attached to a lineage of knowledge. And how it works with astro Vedic astrology is that, to be honest with you, most of the stuff that is in these old books 
are as clearly clear as day useful to us in today's time as they were back so many years ago really where things get crotchety like i said where things get a little where the indian culture has latched too hard to something without thinking about it is the sidereal thing that's kind of mostly where that comes from uh most of the vedic knowledge that's written about vedic astrology is is gold <clears throat> so uh like any astrology you have to listen to your inner intuition about where you want it to take you uh i want to start to just now just kind of talk about a, a few things about how we think about vedic astrology <clears throat> so uh, i do have a few little slides here that basically relate to the chakras yeah one of the ways i wanted to think about it uh hopefully you guys can see me here i think you can uh <clears throat> we can see here that this is capricorn and aquarius when the sun is coming through capricorn and aquarius it is the winter solstice and we can see that these Saturn and Aquarius, they're kind of paired up in a way. This is something that I'm trying to show here. Uh, this is a hard picture to explain, but we can see that Capricorn and Aquarius are a pair ruled by Saturn. See that Pisces and Sagittarius, everybody in the West knows that Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. Uh, but it's little remembered that Pisces is the primary lord of Jupiter as well. And so Jupiter ruling Sagittarius and Pisces makes up the second orange chakra, right? This is kind of what I'm getting you guys to think about. Saturn rules the first chakra, it's Capricorn and Aquarius. Jupiter rules the second chakra, Sagittarius and Pisces. Mars, possibly Pluto, question mark, are a part of the third chakra, the sacral chakra, Scorpio and Aries. So I'm hoping that you guys can see uh, how this chakra consciousness is coming out. This is in a lot of ways how the Indians think about the chakras. Uh, it's also possible that Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto are chakras that go beyond the six chakras. Uh, possibly they are locked into the sixth chakra or even our seventh or eighth chakras or ninth chakras themselves, which can actually interpenetrate the other chakras. For example, I'm born in the generation that has Pluto and Scorpio. So maybe my ninth chakra is blending in with my third chakra, and I can only, I can only access my ninth chakra, the Pluto chakra, by working out the karma that I have in the third chakra area. Uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting think thing to think about. Uh, you know, a lot of this actually, having these outer planets, this is something that the vedic astrology does not talk about you don't hear a lot about uranus neptune and pluto in vedic astrology the reason only is is because of this schema they are interested in the energy spheres of the manifest material matter the westerners are the ones who are looking at the spiritual evolution that is trying to work through this basic energy sphere schema <clears throat> Uh, so this is something that the West actually can teach the, Ve the Vedic astrology is how the outer planets can work within the six chakra system uh, and are the arbiters of evolution within all the chakras. 
something very interesting to talk about. You can see Saturn is the first chakra, Jupiter is the second, Mars is the third, Venus is the fourth, and then I'm missing the blue one in here, which would be Mercury. And then the moon and the sun are the sixth chakra. <clears throat> and we can see that Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto in this picture are kind of outside of the sixth chakra sphere. I'm upset that I don't have the blue in there, but story of my life. So that is an example of something that I've always wanted to throw out there to Western people to think about how the chakras and import, most importantly, this is the reason why Vedic astrology does not think about the outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. When you talk with Vedic people about astrology, they're much more concerned with living on earth. And it doesn't matter where your Uranus or Neptune or Pluto is, what matters so much as like how you, the life that you have on earth, if you live it correctly and understand it correctly, it's going to give you what you need in order to energize the outer planets. Although as a Western minded person and as somebody who is talking to an audience, which has really got my roots in it, like I said, I started with the West and I started learning about the outer planets long before I got into Vedic. And this is something that the Vedic people need to be turned on to. I like to be somebody who's kind of always sitting on both sides of the fence. The Vedic people have something which the Western people need to hear about. And the Western people have something which the Vedic people need to hear about. Mostly us Westerners have the outer planets to teach the Vedic astrology community. Now, as for what the Vedic astrology has to teach to the Western community, there's some very interesting things that the Vedic people talk about the first six chakras and the first seven planets, as well, especially as the North Node and the South Node, which the Western community would be very well served to absorb. <clears throat> uh, so uh, one of the ways that I would like to start fleshing out what exactly is happening uh, with Vedic astrology. Uh, I'd like to start talking about, this is something that I talk about a lot on my channel. Uh, it's an example of how the Vedic people think of the planets. Uh, it's very much a, a, something that's very akin to yoga. There's two poles, there's a yin and a yang in a lot of times in Vedic astrology. This is mostly the consciousness uh, that comes from Rahu and Ketu because we know Rahu is the North Node and Ketu is the South Node. Those two are always an axis apart, which means that they're always going to be in opposite camps. What do I mean by opposite camps? I'm going to talk about a way to organize the planets as well as the signs in a way that I'm sure a lot of Western astrologers are going to be shocked to hear or to understand. All ways of astrology have to be, you can organize them in lots of different ways. With the signs, most Western astrologers tend to think of air signs and fire signs as being like together because they're the light and airy consciousness. And that's true in a lot of ways. You know, air feeds fire, right? That's what we say in the Western. And then water feeds earth or falls down to earth. So in the West, we usually consider that earth is the bottom 
then water is next because that gravity goes down. And then the air is floating on top and gets sucked up by fire and spirit on top. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. This is how the West tends to think about things. Uh, it's funny because there's a lot of understandable blends this way. Like even the chakras are kind of built up in that way. Earth, water, uh, Venus would kind of be like, so it'd be earth, water, and then fire. I digress. You can organize these things in many ways. What I am interested in now is explaining how the Vedic people really cognize the groupings of the planets. And it goes a little something like this. We have two groupings. One is spirit, inner soul. Uh, this is what rules the fire and water signs. Sun, moon, Mars, and Jupiter. Now the earth and air signs are ruled by Venus, Mercury, and Saturn. I'm going to try to see if I can find this one particular picture that will kind of ground what exactly it is that I'm talking about here. It would be this one here. So this is the same picture. Once my computer stops sucking. And it's going to keep sucking. There we go. So this is the same picture. Now, this is me kind of trying to paint the picture of what we're talking about here. Venus rules Libra and Taurus. It's Earth and Air, right? Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo. Earth and Air. Uh, Earth and Air. Saturn rules Earth and Air. Now, Saturn's primary rulership is Capricorn. And I should say Aquarius's primary rulership is Saturn. Uranus is like a secondary limb of Saturn when it comes to Aquarius. So we can see here that Venus is Earth and Air. Mercury is Earth and Air. Saturn is Earth and Air. Now, on the other side of this, we have the, the other four planets, Sun and Moon, Mars, and Jupiter. The Sun rules Leo, the Moon rules Cancer. Mars rules Aries and Scorpio, fire and water. Jupiter rules Sagittarius and is the primary ruler of Pisces. So that's fire and water. And we can see that these planets are a strong grouping against each other. I could talk you know, a lot about just the difference, just this primary duality that goes on in astrology that most Western astrologers, again, they don't usually think about. Think about how these three planets are kind of about communication as well as physical external reality, the bank book. Venus is about physical abundance and sensuality. Mercury is about management of all the things inside of your life, mentally as well as in the physical. Saturn is about the first chakra. It's about the physical body. It's about the survival. It's not just the money that we have to play with or the money we have to enjoy. It's the money that we need. This is kind of like the holding container of the energy sphere. And anybody who has any attunement with any of these planets, there's going to be an antagonism in some ways to the fiery planets. You know, there's so many ways to digest and to talk about all this. You know, I was talking about, for example, just for, just for the fun of it, you know, I was talking about how I'm a Leo rising. 
and I've got all the Leo capacities of just jumping out and talking about things in the way that I like to. I'm a Sagittarius moon too. And I love to just talk with people and to get excited and just to jump out in ways uh, that ultimately can sometimes burn my Venus rulership. Because according to Vedic astrology, Venus is my Atmakarika. For those listening, the Atmakarika is the planet out of the first six that we've talked about, the first seven that we've talked about, Sun, Moon, Mars, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn. Out of these seven planets, whichever one has the highest degree in your chart is going to be the Atmakarika. So look up the highest degree planet in your chart. See if you resonate with, look up like Venus Atmakarika on Google. See if you resonate with it. Look up, or if it's Mars, if it's Saturn, whatever. Look it up and it should blow your mind. Uh, I'm a Venus Atmakarika person, which means I like to be very careful, calculated. The essence of my soul is really coming at that Venus, Mercury, Saturn area. Venus, Mercury, and Saturn are kind of on the earth and air realm, right? And Venus is my ruling planet is in that area, which really is frustrated and flustered by all the fire that's going on in my chart. But it's an alchemy. Everybody's alchemy can work out in some ways. You know, at some levels, the Leo in me is missing out on being super fiery all the time because I'm I'm, I'm a Venus person. I'm not going to bleh and jump right out and get like only say what I want to say without hearing the other person. Theorizing mm -hmm. still there. So this is kind of one of the ways that Vedic astrology can show us how the elements and alchemies of our soul essences can frustrate each other and get in each other's way but also how they can compensate for each other because you know being all venus all the time is fun but my leo rising sure gets me around in a lot of ways as the type of person that i am too so we can see that there's a big divide here in the planets and this reflects on their friendships between each other for example the sign of aries is ruled by mars and its friends in Vedic astrology are the sun and the moon and Jupiter because the sun rules a fire sign. And so it's going to be friends with the other planets that also rule fire and water signs. Jupiter's in this schema too, and its friends are the sun and the moon and Mars. So this is like a whole area of Vedic consciousness that the West, again, does not really think about. You know, for example, we have something in Vedic called dignity. Where, for example, my sun is in the sign of Scorpio. Scorpio is ruled by Mars. Now we look on the table. That means that my sun is in the sign of a friend. Because sun's friends include Mars. Right? So that means that the sun is in a sign that caters to the nature of the sun. Because the sun and Mars are friends, as we've already said. Right? So the sun being a kingly lord who wants to who who needs to take care of its own kingdom and needs to do it by saying by giving direction by giving directives and having the strength to carry through those directives obviously mars and scorpio do cater to that friendliness 
That's why when the sun is in the sign of Scorpio, it's given a positive dignity score, where we say that it's in the sign of a friend. And that means that my son as a Scorpio person does have some strength in getting what it wants when it needs to. It can come off as tough and all these things. Hopefully my Venus rulership kind of takes some of that edge off. Uh, and I think that it does, you know, I'm in, I'm in a band and I have to give directions in a band, but the Venus, the, the Venus in me always wants to rein it in and not be too mean, but ultimately sun and Scorpio's got it. I've got an idea for something and come on guys, support me on it. Let's, let's, let's get it. <laughs> you know, you can also see how this can run anterior, uh, you know, the sun, is an enemy each of these planets have friends and as well they also have enemies and this also this this all relates to mathematical equations in vedic astrology that i'm not going to get into right now but this is an example of uh again how the vedic consciousness thinks about things in a different way than the western does uh, i find a lot of times western astrologers uh, will say that a planet is in a sign and they'll do their best to use their intuition on how exactly that ought to come about. Uh, and that's, that's what, the, that's what we all do. We're using our intuition to try and see what it means when a planet is in this or that place. Uh, the Vedic sphere is always thinking about, especially how does this planet relate to the Lagna or which means how does the planet relate to the rising sign? Because we can see how, for example, for an Aries rising, certain planets are going to be friendly to Aries rising and are therefore going to be important to its expression. When you think about an Aries rising, Mars rules the first house. And it's always the triad that you'll notice has those planets that are friendly to it, of course, right? Aries rising, what's the fifth sign from Aries? It's Leo. And so the sun is one of the friends because it's got the same nature as Aries. The fifth house lord, uh, the, the planet that rules the fifth, I should say the fifth sign from the rising sign is always going to be very important to that rising sign because it's part of the nature of what the rising sign is, how it expresses itself. It's part of the nature of the life path of the rising sign uh, as well for an the ninth sign from Aries, which means that the ruler of Sagittarius being Jupiter would be that other key element in what makes up an Aries rising's expression. <clears throat> this also has to do with why we have evil houses in Vedic astrology, houses that cause instability. Like for example, for an Aries rising, we can see that the 11th house is Aquarius. The 11th house is always considered an ill sign, a sign that's uh, it's a house that's damaging. Uh, it's because of the egotism involved in it. Uh, but if you use that evil 11th house, if it's placed in a good way, the evil from that house is going to be insulated so that it doesn't damage you. Uh, for example, for a Saturn, for an Aries, is, is always a difficult planet to deal with. Saturn is debilitated in Aries, so we can kind of see why. 
So for an Aries, if you have a well-placed Saturn, like if Saturn is in Libra in the seventh house where it's exalted, that means that that 11th house, which can be egotistical, everybody has to express their 11th house somewhere because that's how you get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. It's your gains. If you want to get those gains, you have to use the 11th house energy that's going to ultimately launch you towards where the, the group of people, the group consciousness that you're all, the audience that you're ultimately aimed at. The 11th house is your audience. And when you try to entertain the audience, it always comes off as egotistical. It's not a bad thing. It just shows that sometimes you have to use the dark parts of your energy sphere in order to attain the good of what you want. Because it's not a bad thing to aspire to hit the note on the audience that you're trying to go for. But if you are somebody who is so obsessed with the 11th house, your 11th house has got bad planets in it, like Saturn, who are grounding you towards that one specific thing, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it could show that you use fame and recognition in order to try to fix yourself. And that shouldn't be how it goes. You should abide by your own spirit, your fourth house, your first house, the fifth and ninth house the planets that give you your essential spiritual energy, then you will radiate from your spirit. And from that energy, you can use to manifest and deal with your 11th house energy in a way that's not going to be so egotistical and kind of heavy. I mean, if you've got your fifth house, if you've got the Lord of your fifth house, for example, for an Aries rising, again, Leo is the fifth sign from Aries. If you have the sun in Aquarius and you're a Leo rising, I'm sorry, if you have the sun in Aquarius and you're an Aries rising, that means that sun, which you need to use as your creative capacity because it's your fifth, it's channeling your fifth sign from your rising sign, which is kind of like your fifth house in a way. I could talk about the houses and the cusps. It's kind of a different thing than what I'm talking about. Leo is always the fifth sign from Aries, which means it has a fifth houseness to it. If you are an Aries rising and you've got the sun in Aquarius, part of your energy is how you look to people, is how you're coming off. If you're abiding by what your spirit truly, the ideas that you want to go for. And that means that you're going to live for an ideal first that's going to give you your energy. And then from there, you can probably heal yourself a little bit better. This is part of the reason why 11th house things can be difficult. Yeah. Well, if we want to make a name for ourselves in the 11th house. And like you said, you got, it's the vehicle that you kind of get it out there to the audience. And that I think challenges or invites, creates an invitation for each of us to grow, to have that's right. an experience there. And it's important. Even if you've got planets in your 11th house, you have to express that karma. The, the, this is what I'm saying, though, is, uh, is even though you've got a karma somewhere, you have to kind of abide by it. But if you use consciousness and if you live by spiritual values, which are inherently wise and good, then you will be able to tiptoe into a karma like that and express it and use it while still being humble while still humbling yourself because someone like the example I gave with an Aquarius with the sun in Aquarius and an Aries rising, they could have things and they could have planets that are much stronger than that sun, much more important to the person. And therefore the energy won't be riddled with that egotistical energy. They will use that energy as a part of their energy sphere 
and still come through being a good a good person who's not just living for the image of what they want people to think they are fabulous this is fascinating yeah. i mean and it is really neat i think to have you share your perspective because you've come from both camps thank you, you. Know? yeah i appreciate that stormy that's something that i really that's that's my thing that's part of the dustin cormier thing uh in the way like i'm saying like i'm a venus person uh, I really love to bring cultures together. And I like to, like Venus people like me will talk about how it doesn't work, but that's in order to just see like, you know, just because these things don't work doesn't mean you can't make a good couple. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> Always looking to create a little harmony somewhere. That's right. You know, that's totally my thing. And sometimes because we, even though we have differences, even though there are differences between cultural understandings of things, I think that the blend is always worth it because your intuition, my intuition is finding glimmering gems of radiant truth, no matter what, no matter how deeply I dig into which side, mm -hmm. there's always gems of singular truth that come to be revealed to me the more i kind of explore although i mean i've taken two of them and these two in particular have made a great marriage it's true that you can scatter yourself oh. i will i will say that i i was a western astrologer for probably six years pretty i was pretty scorpio obsessively you know like i really i really hit it pretty hard in western astrology studied a lot before I went into the Vedic mm -hmm. and because of that, I, I went into the Vedic and I've gone just as deeply into the Vedic. And I, you know, I like to keep my apples, apples and my oranges, oranges, you know, they're different and I like them to be different and they inform each other because I've gone so deeply into those two. Uh, and they're, those are good enough for me to do a very good psychological uh astrology session for somebody so really yeah thank you yeah right you got to stick to something it's good to explore but there's i guess it's the the saturn in me is trying to say like you should explore but within you know as long as you're finding a way that allows you to do your craft Absolutely. If you if you scatter yourself so much that now, oh shit, I don't remember what the hell Virgo and Mercury are supposed to even mean because I've got so many different cultural ideas of it. You know, That's challenge that gets challenging. It's just too much. We can't be all things to everybody, but we can go out and see like what speaks to and through us and then craft yes. our own little space around it. And I think, and I hope that's what, what we're doing. You know, yes. I mean, I do think that, I mean, I don't care what industry that you're in, whether it's medicine, astrology, economics, after you're doing your thing for a while, it's like you get fed with that knowledge and then you do go out and craft your own way. And that's what I love about YouTube, the eat and greets, all of it is because it's like, mm. I'm saying the same yeah. thing Dustin is saying, but that's I'm right. saying it in the language of Stormy and the people who speak Stormy will that's listen right. to that. And that is the thing I try to remind people and I try to remember for myself that I'm not doing astrology for everybody. I'm doing yeah. astrology for the people who can hear what I'm saying. That's Very it. good. That's Very it. good. 
that's what's that's it and what's beautiful about the world of youtube is that no matter how many dissenting voices there are you have your own little mountain somewhere in the virtual world and somebody out there if they've heard you and they jive with your yeah. sermon on the mount if they jive <laughs> with your particular message they can find it because it's just a, it's just a mouse click away yeah. and you will you will find you will be found by your tribe if you put yourself out there Absolutely. Everybody will find their tribe if we will speak the truths that are trying to radiate through us. And I think if nothing else, that is the thing to remember out there, whether it's YouTube or not, right? Like just beauty. Say your things. You're you're totally right, Stormy. And you know, (laughs) like I, I know I've said it a few times already, but it's it's very good for someone like me to be able to have someone like you who's like holding the space for me to have to, to like, to allow my mountain into your like eye shot and earshot for just a little bit. It, it's, it really means a lot to people like me who are in the community because I, I, I like to push in the same way that we're, we're talking about, you know, astrology is such a beautiful thing. YouTube is such a good way of getting yourself out there and finding a way to express it and finding even, you know, like eventually there's going to be a lot of YouTubers, uh, a lot of astrologers on YouTube Absolutely. and it's all, it's all going to get mixed up in terms of like the market or whatever. And you know, that that's, it doesn't matter. What matters. I never got into astrology thinking I was going to do a YouTube channel and people were only going to listen to me and I was going to make money right. off of it. I wanted to speak my truth and to know that there were people who liked my particular way of speaking the truth. And if you like that in the same way, take Stormy's lead, just like I did, and get yourself out there. There are people like us who will let you, who will invite you in. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so that said, if people do want to come jam and jive with you all, of course, make sure all of your information is in the description box down below. But where can mm. people find you? Uh, thank you, my dear. Thank you, Stormy. You're the best. Uh, as I said, my name is Dustin Cormier. My main channel is called How to Rock Astrology. If you look me up on YouTube, you can find How to Rock Astrology. That's been my channel where I've been doing the heavy astrology stuff that I've been doing. Uh, if, you, if anybody would like to get in touch with me, get a hold of me, uh, you can check out my website, dustincormier.net. As well, you can check out the astrology page, which is dustincormier.net slash astrology. And it's on there. If you go there, you can find my email. Give me an email and I'll put you in my roster and I'll see if we can make a, if we can make the time to do the client thing and do a real astrology session together. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Dustin, thank you for coming over, letting us into your, your mind, your musings for just a little bit and just sharing yourself with us a little bit today and you guys hopefully in the last bit of time that we have been together we gave you something that is worth the time that you took to show up and i really think that we did support Mm. astrologers support our new astrologers and go visit dustin in the um, links down below oh thank you stormy beautiful friends i love you all so much and i look forward to seeing you next time Sounds good. Thanks, Stormy. You're the best. Thanks for everything. And thanks for watching, everybody.